You know, it's um, fitting today that uh, Pastor Avery made mention of those scenes in uh, superhero movies where the superhero has to be reminded who they are. Because the title of my message today is, Don't You Know Who You Are? When I was called to preach this Sunday, I thought of a sermon and I kept thinking for a sermon. And I couldn't get inspiration for a sermon down until I got word from God that was challenging because it's something new and different for me. My call today is not to preach you a sermon, but it is to enact those very scenes and ask Christians who are listening, don't you know who you are? And to wake up the sleeping giant that is the Holy Spirit within the Christians. So I ask you today, don't you know who you are? We see all the time on Facebook, social media, on the news, you hear it in church and conversations with other Christians, this talk that sounds like Christians are a weakened people, like we've recently become the victims of the world. Well, I'm here to remind you that there are things in this world that have always been, and Christians being attacked has always been. They always talk, and sometimes it gets to be little issues that become bigger than they should, and that's how the devil starts it. He starts it with little issues, and they get twisted and molded into something bigger that makes society feel like Christians are not strong anymore. One of the main ones I see all the time is, well, they don't even let us pray in school anymore. I hear that all the time, and when I hear the idea that we can't pray in school and people are attacking that, that, uh, that issue so heavily, what happens to me is I get to be in a spirit of wondering if people know what prayer really is. You know, I, for one, I know that there used to be a time where you would pray over the intercom and the whole school would pray, but now I think it's different because I, as a, as a pastor and as a Christian, I wouldn't want a bureaucrat or an elected official to be conducting prayer with my children. I want that to be done in the safety of my home and in the safety of my church. I feel that it is my call to do that. But it is an important call for me to also teach my children what prayer really is. Prayer is not the religious ideas of getting to an altar or bowing to your knees. Prayer is not just those things. Prayer is communication with God. And when Christ died, he gave you the Holy Spirit, which gave you access to have that communication anytime you want. And everybody's been through a time where they didn't have to do all the religious ceremony to pray. We've all been on the highway and the gaslight came on. And as we were driving, making cars go, going 60, 70 miles an hour, we all prayed the prayer, God, please let me get to a gas station before this car breaks down. Please let me get there. We've all done it. So when they say that you can't pray in school anymore, what I say to that is, yes, you can. Mere men cannot stop communication with God. The world does not have a chance to stop the spirit within you connecting with the Father above you. So when they tell you that prayer in school needs to make a comeback, I say this. Let's teach our kids how to pray and show them what prayer really is. And then they will know it doesn't matter if some principal, some elected official 
conducts the ceremony of prayer for me, I can pray when I want. I can pray how I want. And I have had plenty of time. It's been 15, 16 years since the last time I took a test, it feels like. But I remember getting those tests, and I remember praying in those moments. In those moments, right before the test started, I remember praying, God, help me pass this test. I've done my studying. I've done my work. I feel like I'm good enough, God, but still, guide my pen today. And do you know how many people knew I was praying? Just me and God. But you know who needs to know who's praying? Just you and God. Mere men can't stop you from praying. So there's an issue right there, an, an issue that the devil tries to make bigger than it is. Yes, they took away the principal praying for you. But guess what's not gone? Prayer in schools. I happen to know from working with youth that there are children as young as five, six years old who pray at lunch over their food. And no one stops them because they've been taught proper prayer mechanics. That when the world says you can't stop and bow to your knee, they say my spirit has got its knee down. You are not under attack with prayer in schools. The church often gets told that it is under attack. The church is always being told, well, this new generation of politicians, they're coming for church. They don't want us to be Christians. They don't want us to be able to conduct ourselves as, as a faith-filled church. They want to tell us what we can preach. They want to tell us what we can say. They want to dictate through law what church really is. Let me tell you a secret. That's not new. It has been happening from the time of Christ. They tried to tell him how to conduct himself. At the center of Christianity is Christ. That very Christ was told all the time, stop saying these things. Stop doing these things. He even suffered the punishment of law to its fullest extent for doing those things. It is not new. The same devil that tempted Christ is the same devil that is after you today. The enemy has not changed. I preached a sermon recently where I reminded people that non-believers are not the enemy. The devil is. Our enemy has not changed. He is the same devil, the same being that tried to take our Christ down. He is there with you today trying the same things. This is not new. And why you need to know it's not new is if it didn't work thousands of years ago, it ain't working today. The devil has been trying for years. It's almost comedic. He's like the wily coyote going after the roadrunner, continuing to fail over and over again and never getting the point that he'll never catch us. He'll never take us down. If our Christ suffered, we will suffer. And if we say to the devil that we are members of Christ's kingdom, we put a target on our back. So when I feel the attack of the devil, it reminds me I'm doing good things because my back is to him. The devil doesn't attack you head on. He attacks from behind like the coward he is. So when the devil's on your back, that's good. That means you've got him behind you. You're going places. That means that you're finally in the presence of God. He's ready to find you and pull you away. He doesn't care about non-believers. They're going where he lives. But you, you've discovered God. You've discovered Christ. He's after you. It's a good thing. It's the natural occurrence of good versus evil. Every movie in history has copied the battle of God versus the devil. 
Every single one. And you live that fight right now. And yes, your local church may have fewer people in the pews. And maybe you once went to a church that had hundreds and now it's at 20 or 30. But let me tell you something. The church is not Austin, Texas. The church is not the United States of America. It is a global network of believers under the same ideology. And the global church is strong. There are billions of Christians. We are not failing. We are not faltering. We still live in a world where there are enough Christians to fight the darkness in this world. So as a church, we may need to do more things. We might need to get out with more outreach. We might need to get more people in the pews. But as a faith, as a kingdom, as a connected global network of believers, we are stronger than we have ever been. Listen to a a good message from somebody who preaches overseas and hear the stories of people who've broken their leg and still walk miles to a church. Right here in America, things are different. But across the globe, there is a powerful Christ everywhere. We are in China. We are in Africa. We are in Asia, North America, South America. There's no connected part of the globe that we are not in. We have a strong network. We are not weak. We are strong. And we still control this world. This world does not belong to the devil. It belongs to us. And it's time we take it from him. And it's time we stop letting these small attacks come after us. It's time that we stop letting them get into our hearts. You see, he attacks you in two ways. He tries to attack the faith as a whole, but then he tries to go after you. And he starts to get in your head and make you think things like, my past will haunt me. I've done too many bad things. It starts at the beginning of faith. Many people don't come into Christianity because they're thinking, well, God will never be able to fix me. There's a lot of non-believers who would be believers that they let go of that thought. God will never be able to fix what I've done wrong. He can't forgive me. And then there's some Christians who get that forgiveness and still hang on to it because the devil's still attacking them. Maybe it's you today. Maybe there's something in your past that you just won't let go of. Your past cannot undo the future Christ has bought for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Because again, at the center and core of Christianity is Christ, not you. Christianity is not about you, it's about him. And there's a reason for that. If it was about you, it would fail. But it's about the one who can't fail. So yeah, we might have made mistakes in the past. And yes, we might have a reputation. But the blood-stained cross is the very same blood that washed the sins away within your heart. You keep reminding God of things Jesus erased from the book. He keeps having to go to the book and erasing your sins because Jesus died for them. They don't need to hang over your head anymore. What happened in your past is gone. Once you come here and get forgiveness and repentance and you get the grace and glory of God, it's gone. Let it be. Part of Christianity is letting go of the guilt of what you did when you weren't in line with God. And reminding yourself that my journey is not about getting me right. It's about me getting in line with him. It's about me getting close to him. You can't fix you. You never will. But what you can do is get in line with God, and he will fix you. The cross is a powerful image because our king died on that cross, and his blood was shedding from all over. 
He had a crown of thorns and nails in his hands and in his feet. There was blood everywhere. And so many people see that. You see the Passion of the Christ movie, and it's a powerful image. And there's all sorts of images of Christ, and it invokes people to be kind of sad sometimes. And I don't get that. When I see those images, I rejoice in those moments because I know the blood that's being shed right there is the only reason I got a chance at everlasting life. That blood is in you today. When the Holy Spirit got woken up in you, it's in you right now, pumping through your veins the same way earthly blood is. It is in you. So yes, you may have a past, but let it go. It's time to let the past go and get into the future with God. He's not concerned with what you've done. He's concerned with what he can do through you. It is time to stop prohibiting you from getting good things. Many people are in the way of their own blessing. They keep almost walking through the door of blessings, but they remind God, wait, I used to drink. One time I cheated on my wife. I stole money from my job. God, what what about that? And God is telling you, let it go. Let it go so I can move you on. Over and over again in the stories of the Bible, the people who were used were failures just like me. And the reason I like those stories is because it's not about what they did. It's about what God did. And when I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I look at Daniel in the lion's den, and I look at these powerful men of God, what I see is mere mortals doing the impossible, not through their own strength, but because they finally let go and got out of the way of God. It's time for us to get out of the way of God. It's time for you to get out of the way of God. Someone here today needs to hear this. You've been forgiven. Forgive yourself. God is higher than you. And if he's told you you've been forgiven, stop arguing with him. Sometimes my daughter will argue with me and she's gotten to where she does it kind of a lot when I'm getting on to her. And she keeps telling me over and over again, well, well, Logan did this and Logan did that. And I'll have to tell her, hey, I'm the authority here and I've decided it's okay. I'm letting it go. Now you let it go. And sometimes we're like my daughter with God. We go up and we remind God, but hey, I'm supposed to get in trouble. He's supposed to get in trouble. And God, like a father, is telling you, it's not your place to decide punishment. It's not your place to decide worth. It's not your place to remind me of your past. It is your place to get in line with me and do as I say. And what God is saying today is let go and go forward. Stop being your own anchor. Another one that gets into Christians all the time, and I've been through this struggle myself. I'm not good enough. I can't possibly be a Christian. God, you've called me to a mighty ministry. I can't pos- that can't possibly be me. Some people don't worry about their mistakes and they let it go, but they worry about their own lack of ability. They say to God, I know you've got a call for me, but I just, I don't think I can do it. I don't have the the power of money. I don't have the name. I don't have the ability. I'm nobody, God. Who are you to argue with God's call for you? Many of us are seeking a purpose, and God is trying to give it to you today. And if you would just be willing to accept your purpose is bigger than your ability then you would have a purpose. And you wouldn't walk in this world purposeless. A reminder, at the heart of Christianity is Christ, not you. And at the heart of your calling is Christ, not you. You may not have the money. You may not have the brains. You may not have the brawn. You may not have the ability or the name or the bank account. But what you do have is God. And that's all you need. Except that you are merely a vessel 
At a meeting with my father once, I told, I told him what I see myself as, it's not a pastor, it's not a father as a husband, I see myself as a weapon for God, willing to attack the devil at any time. And I've trained over and over again. My wife gets annoyed with it as I'm trying to teach my sons and daughters how to fight with swords. And I got them in the back and I'm trying to get them. And I, she says, maybe I'm getting a little too old and the, I might hurt myself. But I'm okay, right? I'm all right, right? But the truth is when you learn about that, what you learn is that you're in control of the weapon. And the reason I refer to myself as a weapon is because I don't have a say in where I go. I just let God pick me up and guide me. I'm powerful when I'm in his hands. A sword in no one's hands does nothing. But in a warrior's hands, it can strike men down. And I, the weapon of God, in God's hands, will strike the devil down. I will illuminate where dark places are. I will be the only good thing in some people's lives. I will be the guiding light to people to get to God. And it won't be through me. It'll be because I accepted that I am merely a weapon, a tool for God. That is my calling. However you decide what it is for you, decide it today. If God called you to it, he will equip you for it. There is many a sermons that have come out of that very concept. So many of us have heard that sermon that you were finishing it before I stopped. You were on the way to where I was going. We know these things, but the devil gets in our way. You know that it doesn't matter what your position is now. It's not about where you are when you got called. It's about if you were willing to accept the call. The story of Jonah and the whale is a good reminder that sometimes God will force you to accept the call. And so many people are in their storm, in their big fish, because they're running away from their Nineveh. They won't go where God is telling them to go, so he's getting them somewhere that'll make them ponder, maybe I gotta get back to it. And maybe what you're going through right now is for you to know it is time for you to accept the call that God gave you. Let go of the idea that it is about your qualifications, let go of the idea that you don't have the skill set or the talent, and just know this, Be be a weapon and let God use you. It is time we as Christians stop letting ourselves just do nothing. I can tell you this. Some people are called to praise and worship. Others are not. I'm one of those people. I can't hold a tune. I come from a family of musicians and singers, and I guess it skipped a generation. But it didn't because my brother plays the drums and my sister can sing. So I don't know what happened with me. But what I do know is I have another skill set. I have another ability. There's a secret to faith. None of us, none of you are called to do nothing. Every one of us has a powerful calling on our life. You may not be the one who preaches the sermons, but you might be the one who gathers the ears that hear the sermon. You have a calling, and nobody's calling is bigger than one another. Many churches fail because the pastor thinks he's bigger than the pews. He's not. I'm not. Pastor Avery is not. You are just as vital to the kingdom as I am. You are just as vital to Austin Alive as I am. I could be here preaching to myself if it wasn't for you. Find your calling. Seek it out. If you can't find it yourself, seek an elder. Pray. Continue to try and find it. If you have not done something for the kingdom and you have not discovered what it is that your call is, then you haven't lived life. 
Life is about the kingdom for us. And once you accept that Christianity is about Christ and not you, you accept that I have to do something for him. And I will not die having done nothing for him. I ask you, how many of you today are willing to die having done nothing for God? I hope it's none of you. We should all be spending every second of our life pondering how we are successful in the kingdom, how we do what we are supposed to do for the kingdom. Your call may feel small to you, but again, it's not your decision what your call is. It is just your decision to do it. Take it and accept it. Many people's call is to just simply be the patriarch of their family or the matriarch of their family and to be the glue that keeps the people around them together. That's a powerful call. And every one of us knows that there is a powerful call in that because we know the family that lost the patriarch or matriarch. And we know what the family was like after they left. We've been there. We've seen families dissolve after the patriarch or matriarch is gone. So if that's your call, take it with pride. And know that every calling has a purpose. God made you with a purpose and on purpose. You are here for a reason, and that reason is to illuminate dark places and to save as many souls as possible. We all play a role, and if we do our job, we'll be successful. But it counts on each and every one of us. Like I said, that global network of believers, it counts on you doing your job, and some gentleman in China doing his job, and some woman in Africa doing her job. It's about each and every one of us playing the role that we have been decided to play. You may not save thousands, but it doesn't matter because one is as important to a thousand to God the angels rejoiced when you said I choose God so yes you may save a couple of people but God sees that as a win he sees that as something good for you to have done there I've got people who I know who've done one thing that they can be proud of one but they hang on to it because it's their thing and they did it and no one else did I have a boss from my past in the hotel industry. And he had failed multiple careers over. He had been to addiction counseling. He was in the middle of a divorce. He had lost a relationship with his elder daughter. And he said to me one day, you do your best to make yourself proud. And I returned to him the thought, I do my best to make God proud. And he said, son, I wish I would have heard that 15 years ago when I was struggling because I've only been proud of myself in one area my whole life, and it's my work. I've always known I'd get to the top someday, and I sacrificed a lot getting there. And I told him, what you need to know about your life is this. God has always been at the forefront. Once you accept it, once you get your perception right, what happens is this. You finally discover the truth to life, that life is about God. I have been asked today to try to remind you who you are. To remind you that those old photos on Facebook where the devil and God are locked in an arm wrestling competition, they're cool. They look nice. But the truth is, that could be you in that photo against the devil. And even you struggling against the devil is an outright lie. It's an outright lie. The devil is weaker than you because you have God within you. You have the blood of Christ within you. The Holy Spirit is within you. So yes, you are under attack. Yes, 
The church is under attack. Yes, you are going through things, but let me tell you this. They cannot take you down. They cannot break you down because the real battle that is going on is the devil and the Holy Spirit within you. And as long as you let that be the fight and you stay out of the way, the devil will lose every single time. The only battle that the devil has ever won is getting you to switch your perception and think that life is about you and not about God. Once you decide that you are the warrior and not the weapon, you've lost. So I'm here to ask you today, are you ready to be God's weapon? Are you ready to be the weapon that says that bank account is getting filled? Those pews are getting filled. That doctor's report is getting slashed away. That relationship that has been broken is getting mended. There is a battle in the world and you have a role in it. And your role is victory. When I said we all have a role in the kingdom, I say this to you. Every single role boils down to this. To be victorious against the devil. We might do it through different channels, but each and every one of us has the same calling on our life to be victorious against the devil, to bring people to Christ and to stay in line with Christ. That is really, truly every single person's calling. How you get there is up to you and God. Decide it, live it, accept it. There's a fire within you. I ask you today, with the needs that are in front of you, with the needs that are ready to attack you, you have one choice, to fight or to give up, to decide like the villains do that they're going to continue to attacking you, to decide like the heroes do in all of the movies that it's time for me to get back up, that I may have lost or been struggling with this fight before, but it's time I get to my feet. I ask you today, as you strike the match and hold it in your hands, I ask you today, don't let it burn out. Throw it to the fire and let the embers that burn illuminate the darkness around you. Your spirit is powerful. Your spirit is wonderful. There is one big fight in all of human history, the darkness and the light. And if Matt were to flip that switch off right now and turn the light off to dark, and he turns it back on, the secret about that is darkness doesn't get a chance. Once the light is here, the darkness doesn't get to argue. And once you decide that you are the light of God and you flip your switch, the darkness around you doesn't get to argue. I've never flipped a switch and seen the dark try to fight the light. It always is defeated. Light will always trump darkness. You are light and you should always be trumping darkness. But what happens is we let our flames die down. We let the devil put out our flames every once in a while. Today, God is telling you to light your fire, to let it burn brighter than it's ever been, to stoke your fire so that embers around you go and spread more fire. Christianity should work like wildfire. It starts with a single flame, and before you know it, the whole forest is burning. It starts with us in this room today. It starts with you today. It might just be you. You may be the only Christian in your family, but you light your fire in such a way that in three generations you've got a powerful kingdom of people, that you have ignited others around you. I've seen it before. I've seen non-believers get into the faith, and before you know it, they've got 15, 16 brothers and sisters and cousins and friends and family that have accepted God. Light your fire because there are people waiting to be ignited by your embers. There are people waiting to be illuminated by you. The world is a dark place. You hear it all the time. I'm going to close with this thought. If the world is a dark place, I don't think it's an irony 
or bad choice of wording, that God said he is the light. That he calls you to be like a light. There's a reason for that. Because light will always defeat darkness every single time. I'm going to go to prayer with you today. And I want you to look at the issues in your life. Maybe they're familial or financial or health-related. I want you to look at those. And I want you to stare them down and light your fire. And let the light of God illuminate the issues around you. Don't worry about what you've done or who you've been. Don't worry about where you are in life. Only worry about this. Ignite for God. Ignite for God. Father God in heaven, I ask you to go into the hearts of the people today and remind them who they are. They are not simply human beings anymore. Once they accepted you, the Holy Spirit was awoken in them. And now they are spiritual beings, powerful, wonderfully made spiritual beings. And each and every one of them has a beautiful, purpose-filled calling in their life. Each and every one of them is blessed. Each and every one of them is a warrior for you. Yes, some of them may have made mistakes that they're struggling with. God, I ask that you let them let go of that right now, that you cut the ties to the past. You cut the anchor and let the ship go. You cut the anchor. They're no longer bound to their past, and they'll be reminded of that today. That they'll connect to a global church and realize that the church isn't failing. It's so powerful and strong, and it still controls this very world to this day. And we will refuse to let the devil take any ground. We will not let him take a single inch of ground as we will continue to walk as lights. And as we walk and ignite ourselves for God, our very steps will ignite the ground around us and the devil will not be able to succeed because darkness cannot undo the light. You have a calling. Find it. Ignite for God and realize this. I have one. Tell your issues today that I am victorious. Tell your issues today that I win. Tell the devil today that it's time for him to go. Through the authority of God that resides in you, it get him out of you today. And realize you are powerful, you are wonderful, and you should love yourself, you should love the people around you, you should love the city that you've been called to, and you should love God with a fervor that ignites Everything around you and everything you do comes out of that powerful, victorious love. In your precious and holy name, God, we pray. Amen. I love you all. You're dismissed.